What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Nita. And this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We are two artsy bitch people inhabiting this universe and wondering things. And we have a special guest, um, resident pirate expert, Sarah. <laughs> hello, hello. I'm happy to be back in this virtual artsy bitch space. Hello, We're everybody. We're so happy yes. to have you back. <laughs> what are you snacking on? Yeah, Sarah. Oh, God. Uh, I'm snacking on one thing that is super embarrassing. When I was in Florida, because I just got back from my vacation, I got a little homesick one of the first two days of my trip and my friend that I was staying with is also from LA originally and she was like do you know what I watch when I get homesick and I was like no what and she goes Vanderpump Rules oh my god (laughs) so like the second night in town we were sitting on her couch a little bit a lot a bit drunk because it was my second night in town and we watched Vanderpump Rules (laughs) how was your Orlando trip oh it was so fun it looked Um, so fun it was one of those like things that I didn't know if I was ever going to do it for myself and I finally did it And it was like, I got to travel alone, and I didn't get trafficked, and also I got to see people I haven't seen in, like, three years. I I got to live, like, a weird Disney Channel rom-com for two days, which was very fun. Minus the rom, just the com. I love it. You were in your own personal decom. (laughs) I was. I had my Mary-Kate and Ashley moment. It was great. so cute. I'll go really quickly. Willow Smith dropped a new song. Yes! It's really good. It's called Transparent Soul. Um, I think... That she's collaborating with Avril Lavigne for this album, and I'm so excited for this album. And it sounds like mid 2000s, like emo. Like it's so good, Sarah. Like it'll take you back. Like this sound is so. It's great. I'm like, oh, is this? This sounds very, yeah, this sounds like of a time that we are not in now. But I'm very happy to like be listening to again. Gaia, what are you snacking on? Okay, Song Exploiter. I've been listening to it. I like the episode where Hosier breaks down Nina Cried Power because I like listening to his sexy little elf man voice. (laughs) And also, it's so fun to listen to artists in music talk about collaboration and how collaboration is like a cornerstone to like all of the great pieces of art that we love. And I don't know, I I harp on this all the time, but I think people think that art is made by, like, one genius, but, like, it's never just one genius. It's always, like, 50 geniuses, especially music. And so it was really cool. Who's the woman who sings on the on that song, on Nina oh. Fred Power? Uh, oh, God. Mavis Staples. Mavis. Hearing him and Mavis Staples talk about, like, singing together name. and, like, riffing and vibing and, like, I don't know. I just have mad respect for Hosier, like, as an artist. Sometimes I get redacted to cover Hosier songs for me, so. Redacted also kind of looks like Hosier. Anyway. I'm going to tell him you um, said that. He's going to, like, freak out. He does! He I, does! I, I he think looks he looks like, like Hosier. Hosier. Like, he like, Who looks like Hosier? Um, Gaia's person that we uh, can't name on One podcast. of my people. Now I have two people. You have two people. Uh, They're hanging right, out right Gaia's now. Gaia's in a bit of a thruple. We yeah. love that. Um, speaking of thruples. Yeah, speaking of thruples. Speaking of, like, representation um, for all of us polyamorous all those polyamorous couples Gang. out there, Gaia. Do you want to do? You want to get to the roadmap? Literally, nothing would make me happier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's poppin'? Um, are you new to Bitch Why? Welcome. It's really good to see you. It's good to know that you're out there and that we're here for each other in this way. All of our episodes, except for some, 
by some I mean one, <laughs> are made up of four parts. Bitch, what? Which is a, it's like a little introduction. Like, what are we going to talk about? We we just get the, we get the basics out of the way. We say things like the plot and like who directed it sometimes if we remember. Um, and then we move into Bitch How, which is we talk about how it was made. We talk about what things in it that we like can technically analyze and like what value we were able to get out of it and kind of t- break it down as a piece of art. Then we move into Bitch Time, which is where we don't use our intelligence we actually block out our intelligence (laughs) by hitting each other with bricks and then hoping that the brain damage is temporary but uh three minutes and finally we come down to bitch why we we uh recover quickly from our head injuries and then we break it down like what what does it matter why does anything matter why does art matter why does this piece of art matter and then we go through the bitch meter which is our very technical very mathematical diversity score meter which often correlates with quality but doesn't always cause quality speaking speaking of being new to bitch why our sour episode got 200 downloads in the first wow week. oh that's so sexy of her isn't that so exciting thanks olivia if you're new to bitch why like welcome we're so happy to have you Hi. um we are doing a like Bitch Rewind again with the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Speaking of what we're covering, it's time for Bitch What. It's Bitch What. We covered the first movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, a few weeks ago. And now we are covering Dead Man's Chest and At World's End. Uh, which are the second and third. Like, I, we've covered a lot of movies that I care about, right? The, I've never cared about a movie as much as I care about Pirates of the Caribbean 3. It's <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> Like, we're talking about, like, how we found it. We, I have to, I have to get this off my chest, guys. Like, this, I've been thinking about Pirates of the Caribbean, like, virtually nonstop since I saw it. But as we know from the prequel to this episode the hungover episode about Pirates of the Caribbean 1, me and my roommates at the nunnery that I lived at, if you're new to Bitch Why, you probably don't remember that I lived on a nunnery, but I did, chose to (laughs) watch all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Pirates of the Caribbean 2, like, slaps, but, like, when we saw Pirates of the Caribbean 3, when I say that we never got over it, that we talked about it for months, (laughs) we, like, I feel such a fundamental and profound connection to this movie. I don't trust myself to recap these movies, so I'm going to give Dead Man's Chest to Sarah. Okay. So Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest is the second in what was originally only supposed to be three films. Elizabeth and Will's wedding is here and everyone's so happy and then it gets interrupted by the East India Trading Company who want Jack's compass in order to take over the seas from the pirates. Also, Bill Nighy is here, and he's tentacly, and I love him. Bill Nighy! One of the most gorgeous CG creatures I've ever seen as <laughs> Davy Jones. It's so cool. Great example of how villain design doesn't have to be racist. Exactly. Yes! Like what we were talking about with Luca! Yes. We Perfect. love a callback. This movie was like, if the first film was like a tight script that made a lot of sense and had like a lot of parallels and was and we all lost our minds over it in the last episode... This one is, there's an idea, we have to set up a lot of shit in three hours, 
Some of it's going to get lost, but whatever, we're doing it. Also, Hans Zimmer is here. If Hans Zimmer is there, I can excuse a lot. Exactly. Actually. Same, honestly. With with Hans Zimmer's score, you can kind of get past a lot of it. Because I do remember I actually watched the second one on my flight out, and then I watched the third one on my flight back from Florida. And maybe it's because, like, I'm a nervous flyer, so this might be why I had this reaction to it. But watching the second film on the plane, I wept a lot. I wept even more in three, but like I I had a lot of emotions about Will Turner. I had a lot of emotions about Elizabeth. I had a lot of emotions about Stone Skarsgård. I was very quietly sitting next to my like neighbor and just being like, please don't look at me. <laughs> Nobody look at me right now. I love crying on planes. I think that's a great experience of life. It was it was an experience I would like to not repeat, but probably will. <laughs> oh my god! But probably, honestly, I don't think I'm ever not going to wear a mask on a plane again. Same. I don't. I don't trust humans. Yeah. Especially humans flying to Florida, dude. Like, yeah. So, there we you know. go. So, Gaia, would you like to summarize? Okay, I do want to summarize Pirates of the Caribbean three. I'm ready. Okay. A lot is set up for Pirates of the Caribbean 3 that happens in Pirates of the Caribbean 2. But basically, like, pirates have kind of split into, like, separate posses with separate motivations. So, like, Will is trying to get his save his father from Davy Jones. Elizabeth is trying to, like, m- marry Will and be the king of all pirates. Johnny Depp <laughs> is trying to get his boat back. The British military is trying to destroy pirates forever. Calypso, the sea goddess, is trying to be freed, and Davy Jones is trying to stop her from being freed because he, she's her his former goth GF. And <laughs> it kind of culminates in a great, like, round of, of complex, like, politics and fighting, and it's a masterpiece. I'm so biased on this. Like, I don't know. I'm going to objectively talk about this movie. I don't know why I love it so much. Maybe that's one of the things we have to explore. No, I feel that. Like, why is Pirates of the Caribbean 3, like, fundamentally changed me? Actually, okay, so, sorry. It's Bitch How. It's time for Bitch Bitch How. It's time for Bitch How. There is something about these movies, I think specifically because it's also like obviously like building out a franchise. Yeah. And this is before I think the cynicism of franchises has set in in the like zeitgeist. Also, I love the word zeitgeist. I know that's such a pretentious ass word. But like this is before 2008. This is before Iron Man. This is before like the idea of building out a a cinematic universe was, like, a thing. And so I think even in moments when, like, there's moments where like, Elizabeth is, like, she pretends to faint again in yes. Dead Man's Chest to, like, get the guy's attention. And, like, they make her Pirate King in At World's End. Yeah. It doesn't feel girl boss gas like gatekeeping yeah. at all. No, that's, like, Elizabeth, if you track her trajectory, I think you kind of lose... Her and Will, sometimes you lose their arcs a little bit halfway through, like... You, you lose it in two. Yeah, in in, in Dead Man's Chest, they kind of get lost a little bit because they just... Everybody has so many, like, different intentions. There's and also, so I was like, happening. so much is happening. So you get a little lost. But even when Elizabeth 
is doing her thing. It never feels like fan service. It never nope. feels like that scene in in, in Infinity War when With all the, the women yeah, shot. They're like, you're like oh. yeah, all the and women you're like, Am working I supposed together. To feel it, yeah, it never feels like yeah. It's not the I am not a man. <sighs> it's not that moment. Yeah. It's it's a it's a more organic movement for the character empowerment wise. Will Turner kissed her knee. Head cannon. Will Turner eats pussy. Will Turner head cannon. eats pussy. That's not head cannon. That's cannon. That when he kissed her knee, <laughs> he gives good head. Batman might not eat pussy, but Will Turner, Will Turner does. does. <laughs> At risk of like getting away from like the serious, important like meat of these movies, which is whether or not Will yeah. Turner eats pussy, which is like obviously the answer is yes. Um, obviously he does. That what you were talking about, Nita, about like this movie feeling like predates the like cultural zeitgeist of franchise i think it's because if you i would like to pretend for the purposes of this episode that the pirates of the caribbean franchise ended at three i want to pretend that that happened okay yeah for for this episode we're gonna be like this is what's canon is the yeah. gore verbinski movie we're gonna yeah. live in a universe in the good timeline for a second the verbinski verse if you will yeah The reason I want to exist in that universe for a little bit is because I think these first three movies represent, like, everything that is possible in serial things in terms of, like, what Mm -hmm. you can do. And I think, like, what you're talking about, about um, Elizabeth feeling like she is not, like, a girl, gatekeep, girl boss, gaslighty. Um, I think it's because <laughs> yeah. something that this movie, these movies have time to do and they have the energy to do and they care about doing is everything in these movies is in service of the characters and the plot moving forward. And I think, like, yes. we talked about yeah. this in the first episode about the reason that that one iconic sword fight scene feels so satisfying to watch is because it's not just a sword fight. It's, like... It's a conversation. It's a conversation, and it's so propellatory. It propels the plot so much. And I think that mm-hmm. is, like, what makes the first three Pirates of the Caribbean so great is because nothing's ever just a sword fight, except for this one part of Pirates of the Caribbean 2 that I'm going to talk about in detail. It's the oh, racist part. I know, I know which fight you're talking about. <laughs> so, so, like, because everything is, like so purposeful and the writers really and directors and actors feel really dedicated to creating like fleshed out beings and fleshed out characters like these movies very rarely waste their screen time even though they're like three hours long the fucking 30 minute section from pirates of the caribbean 2 that they should have cut oh like are you talking about like with that like indian pirate captain in Dead Man's Chest? No, I'm talking about the scene where they get kidnapped by indigenous cannibals and escape for oh no my fucking God, that's reason. Too- oh, so that's all... Yeah, so first off, you have, like, this Indian pirate that's, like, helping them escape from that that indigenous tribe. And, like, he dies. I just... Like, he's... That Indian actor I've never seen before. The two cage balls. And one is, like, everybody The two you, cage balls. E- one is everyone that you care everyone about. Everyone you care about. And then the... <laughs> yeah. And then the expendable ones. And you're, like, And well, do you notice that, like, everyone who's expendable is very often a person of color? Yeah. Even that, in At World's End. And I feel like we can just talk about these movies in flux like let's we can just do both a little bit there are two parts of the same story so i feel like it works right so you have the the chinese and and singaporean pirates a lot of the times when there's action set pieces before the end of at world's end 
the people who get, like, thrown off the ship that are, like, expendable bodies are, like, East Asian. And then you have, um, like, everyone in this indigenous tribe at the beginning of Dead Man's Chest that, like, are... Yeah, that is so Oh, I was just gonna say, like, even Elizabeth being able to take over the um, East Asian ship is, like, so, like, really, like, your only characters of color. Yeah. (laughs) The part about that that also bugged me is that that pirate lord only wants her because he thinks she's Calypso. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't think that that culture would think the goddess of the sea was a white woman, but okay, like... They wanted to make the third movie more global, quote-unquote. And by that, they just mean that they want to be able to market it to a Chinese audience, probably. Um, So that's why there's a lot more people of color in the last one. That's why they have, like, the brethren, the pirate brethren group. That, yeah, and then there's, like, multi- and there's a lot of different people of color, but again, none of them really have character arcs, and the one that does basically is, like, oh, I'm gonna just marry Elizabeth, because I think she's Calypso, and I'm gonna, like, physically assault her, and then get killed. I don't think he's even trying to marry her. I think he's, like, I just kind of yeah. want to know, I want to know what it's like to fuck the original WAP. The WAP? <laughs> That's what it no. is. <laughs> Sarah, why was that the most powerful <laughs> sentence that's been spoken out Fuck. loud? Like, there's, okay, there's a lot of charged energy that we have to release before we continue being seriously I, serious. I okay. an opportunity. I think last episode, Gaia, something that you said, and, and we talked about Norrington a lot, and he does kind of get, like, a redemption arc, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna counterpoint your ideals about, like, the way that this movie is, like, kind of anti-imperialism because I think by the end of this there are too many people of color's bodies being thrown around in a way that's kind of not okay with me for me to say that even just because Norrington is redeemed, I don't feel like I can hold on to this, like, anti-imperialist sentiment with this movie. I think it becomes, like, pirate imperialism. But pirates in the Caribbean is synonymous with, like, people of color for the most part, but the pirates that we follow are all white. Yeah, I guess I was gonna say, like, I don't think Disney is capable of creating anti-imperialist media because Disney is the most imperialist conglomerate, like, that exists. Yeah. And and maybe this was me, like, projecting Black Sails, which is the perfect pirate media, onto Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) I still stand behind it's cool that they decided to make the bad guy the British army. My my thing is that, like, pirates also used slave labor. I was, like, trying to read up on, like, if there was, if, like, there was some covering up that happened in these movies. And, and, and I think, like, most signs of colonial life are pretty, like, indistinguishable, like, despite it taking place in, like, Jamaica, like, all over the Caribbean. It's kind of, like, it reminds me of the way, like... Princess and the Frog skirts around segregation. Yeah. I don't want these movies to touch slavery. And, like, the East India Trading Company did partake in the slave trade. Like, obviously we know that they're evil. But, and there's actually, like, cut scenes from the movie where Johnny Depp's character, Jack Sparrow, is like, people aren't cargo, mate. Yeah, he... But they cut it. There's there's never, like, oh, slaves on ships were... Not really slaves in that time. I remember reading this. I remember... I'm- they were actually, like, left to... If they're if they didn't have enough resources, they would probably leave the slaves first. They would yeah, they would first. They would, uh, they would maroon the slaves first because the slaves were technically treated like cattle. The only reason 
pirates had them was extra bodies. They were menial labor that the other pirates didn't do. Slaves existed on pirate ships as well. There were liberated people of color, but there were always slaves. Yeah. It was just a thing. Yeah, and so, and then... Also, my issue with Tia Dalma, who is also Calypso, I think she, she, even the actress Camila Martin has, Camila Martin Samuel has been like, I was used as a gimmick. Like, I was, if anything, I was like a prop for like the men to like throw around whatever. Even, I think at, at some point, people kind of tried to reclaim her as like a figure of, uh, like, afro-caribbean culture of like oh maybe we can like you know she could she could be like something like that but but she's basically i think she's like a a good representation of like colonialism via piracy yeah right like she is not i don't think she reflects even though she might like maybe there's some like surface level representation of like traditional african religion i don't think that she is like She's a plot device, unfortunately, for, for like, all the men. She's kind of yeah. like the cannibals, which I realized this upon rewatching 2 and 3. Uh, I had also recently rewatched the King Kong film that came out around the same time with Jack Black. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. And if, and if you think about it, if you think about it, this was a rash of time where movies that included indigenous cannibals kept coming out. And the design of the cannibals for pirates and the design of the cannibals for King Kong are very similar. The only difference is mm-hmm. that the cannibals in King Kong are not cannibals. They worship King Kong and they will leave outsiders as sacrifices to King Kong. And the cannibals on this island are just kind of like, hey, they look spooky. Yeah. Like there was yeah. no res- there they was just, no research done. They speak in gibberish. They speak it's nonsense. like very Yeah. It's For like me, gross. These movies like fundamentally failed people of color. Like, on every single, like, opportunity they had to not fail people of color. And I think for me, the indigenous cannibal scene... So if, like, my my least favorite sequence in cinema and my favorite sequence in cinema are in the same two (laughs) movies, I think it represents how fundamentally these movies did not give a fuck about people of color. Because this is something that me and the nun folk talked about daily is how that scene was completely unnecessary and so not only like pirates of the caribbean broke its own writing rule in order to be racist it went against everything that it as a franchise or like it as a franchise at this point cared about in order to like throw in a like gimmicky scene about indigenous people being cannibals because the creators are racist. I think the second one really is the beginning of the habit that the movies start to get of like, oh, we came up with this really cool concept. We don't know how it fits into the plot. We're just going to do it anyway. Because like the racing yeah. and the, the racing in the cages was a concept that they came up with. V. Neil, who was the makeup artist, talks about the makeup on Jack when he's in the he's oh, like the, the eyes. Camp, he's the priest. The eyes. Yeah. They came up with that in 20 minutes. They were like, oh, we got to put something on his face. Let's make it a caterpillar. Why not? And then they're like, oh, you know, it would be like, it's a very like, they came up with out of nowhere and it's a gorgeous makeup. The makeup is cool. It's not. that It looks so cool when he closes his eyes. When he closes, like, there's a a quote from V. Neal being like, we did it on a whim, not even knowing if it would work. And then the shot is just so iconic now. A lot of it was like, oh, well, this, this kind of looks like that. Throw it in. This kind of looks like that. Throw it in there. And that's the laziness that becomes so common 
in three and four and five with some of these things where they're like, well, we came up with them running around in cages made of bones. So yeah. And I think that like these kinds of movies, which actually it's so funny. I was on Disney plus and it's called an action adventure, action adventure, action adventure. I was like, what the are fuck they is not that? like basically that. the Never same genre? Sorry. Just the idea of like an adventure movie. I don't know. I miss the adventure part in like, movies now whatever yeah, so same. so i think that the direct predecessor to these is probably like in indiana jones yeah and i think what sucks is that they yes they carried over all of the action adventure fun of indiana jones they also carried over all the racism because i was like this is giving temple of doom and that i think for a while is what kept me at a distance from these movies yeah. for for a minute, you know, as I was watching them, I was like, ah, yikes. And it feels, and what sucks because, like, you're right about the characterization of, like, T. Dalma is, like, the one character that I don't really know anything about, nor do I feel like she gets an arc, but everybody no. else has arcs that, like, and I think these two movies really made in tandem, Right? Like, they came out in 2006 and then 2007. So it was yeah. like, boom, boom. Like, let's make these together. Like, I think they might have filmed them at the same time as well. They did. So so they had time to plan out these characters and give them their dues. And yet, it is still, like, Calypso, who then is supposed to be something who's so important. At the end, she just turns into a bunch of crabs. And then, and then and causes a storm. But we don't see her do that. And and her, like, love or her relationship with uh, Davy Jones is also not really ever, like, resolved. They give her yeah. one scene in the brig of the ship. Yeah. Where we also get to yeah. see Bill Nighy not be tentacly. And I love the I love the way they created Davy Jones without the tentacles, sidebar. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, we get this one scene where he's like, I did my job. I ferried the souls of the dead off of the ocean i took them to the other side i did the thing for 10 years with the promise of seeing you at the end of that and you weren't there she's like it's in my nature or whatever it's in my nature i'm the goddess of the sea and it's like i mean yeah she's hundreds of thousands of years old she's the original goddess of the ocean technically a greek god Uh, so so there's actually like a lot of parallels between what ends up happening to will and elizabeth and calypso and davy jones i wish they got into it more (sighs) right so because like you have to like i don't think that when this movie came out that people saw that but basically it's a direct foreshadowing of what happens to will and elizabeth at the end is that like in 10 years he's gonna come back and elizabeth will probably be there and their whole their whole arc past the first movie because the whole their arc in the first movie was just like how are we going to be together? And then yeah. second and third movies, it's like, okay, being a pirate means we're morally ambiguous. Like, there's a yeah. lot of things that we are going to have to make decisions on. And can I trust that we'll have each other's best interest, even as we are both two morally ambiguous, dope-ass pirates? The whole the whole love triangle oh, thing. That's, a, right? that's something I definitely want to discuss. I know that, like, they're we a thruple. Will. They're a thruple. They're a thruple. I know. They're a thruple. <laughs> but, like, all of their issues could be solved by Will being like, yo, what the fuck, dog? They just never have a conversation if about they had, it. If they they never talk. About the, like, Elizabeth-Will ending, I, I want to talk about the power of an unsatisfying ending because I yes. love mm. unsatisfying endings. Everything I write has an unsatisfying ending. It's, like, my personal, like, kink in writing. And so I think 
Something that really shows in Pirates of the Caribbean 3 is this thing we talk about a lot, where like Pirates of the Caribbean had gained so much acclaim that in Pirates of the Caribbean 3, they were allowed to do a lot of like the artsy um, and like kind of out there things that they wouldn't have been allowed to do if it had been Pirates of the Caribbean 1. And I think that's that ending is one of the ballsiest endings in, like, adventure movie ever. It's so, like, juicy and, like... It, it feels like the wrong ending, but it's also so, yeah. I love that the entire arc kind of leads up to Will and Elizabeth being the best, most badass, most awesome pirate couple, and then having to live separately from one another. And and the movie implies otherwise by being like, Elizabeth's pergorgonate. But um, I do love the idea that like, Elizabeth is a pirate and Will is like the death pirate. They yes. have like an epic love. That's so dope. Yeah. So, so here's the thing is these movies are all about breaking cycles, right? The first one is, like, how do we break this cycle of, like, living in an undead, like, a very unsatisfying undead life, right? They break that cycle. It's about breaking curses, breaking patterns. And so I think that, like, they're the version that learned from Davy Jones and Calypso. And And Johnny Depp is the version that has, like, learned from, I think, even, like, Barbosa's mistakes. Like, Will and Elizabeth are the youngest canonically in the entire film uh elizabeth yeah. is i believe 21 by the end of the third film oh my god but like elizabeth and, and will they are the perfect version of calypso and davy jones i don't know that jack sparrow is the perfect version of barbosa because barbosa is technically the more successful pirate if this if these movies ended here yeah jack sparrow would continue getting to be the perfect little sidekick to that i don't think that jack sparrow is capable of too much change, except that he kind of learns. I think that Elizabeth and Will change him like slightly, but I think he's actually the most realistic in his arc of like people not changing that much. He learns trust and only barely. Yeah. Goes from <laughs> yeah. My first mate, who was Barbosa, marooned me on an island, tried to kill me. He was betrayed by his entire ship and crew. He had always trusted his men and always told them everything and then this happened and he lost that ability to trust people with will turner with elizabeth swan kind of barbosa by the end they're like frenemies they're frenemies he learns to have allies again which he'd never done the only other ally he ever has through the entire series is uh gibbs and that's it so some the thing that i just that that really sucks i guess about calypso is that If you're gonna flesh out the cycles that need breaking, yes, Davy Jones has a great, like, thing for Will to follow to, like, not fall into, but then Elizabeth kind of, I mean, obviously she's off on her own thing, she's she's Pirate King. She's thriving. It just sucks that Calypso is not given the same. I know it's not, um good criticism to say things that like could have happened but i think like because will's arc is so wrapped up in um davy jones's arc i think it could have been really interesting if they had like more closely entwined elizabeth and calypso i think it would have clarified their foil relationship i think more one-on-one scenes with them would perhaps make them pass the bechdel test i think it could have been really interesting 
to see these characters interact. I would have loved to see Tia Dalma not just be, like, popping up in the frame like frickin' Michael Myers every time something happens. Also, the way she is framed is yeah. very, like, yeah, it's apart from everybody else. Something that Keith Richards, <laughs> John, uh, Jack Sparrow's daddy, says to him, he's like, it's not about living forever, it's about living with yourself forever. Something I think is so funny about these big budget movies is they all talk about daddy issues. Like, yeah. Will, we've got, like, Iron Man... All of those guys is all it's about because directors issues. inherently have daddy issues. That's fair. So in these movies, again, we're about daddy issues, but it's also about like breaking cycles, and I think that like they do a really good job of giving everybody cycles to break. Um, Keith Richards. I can't believe they they called Keith Richards and were like, "Do you want to be in our little pirate movie?" They literally went, "Hey, Keith Richards, do you want to come play pirates with us?" Yeah, do you want to like come play pirates? Keith Richards, come play pirates with us. The other thing that I think, however, yes, yes, Elizabeth is not girl bossy, but because I think we don't have the 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 retrospect of like how women are treated in film. She gets kissed against her will a lot. No pun intended. Against her will. (laughs) Um, Norrington, before he dies, did not have to kiss her. Like, I got the point. But the kiss at the end did not need to happen. You didn't have to do that. It was for the Norrington and Elizabeth shippers (laughs) that existed. Because don't don't forget, Pirates of the Caribbean also started a, a whole wash of fan fiction on the internet. If it exists, there is fan fiction, but pi- like the top three, if you go on AO3 or fanfiction.net right now, and I did this this week, <laughs> I got curious. Yes, the top Sarah. three like properties for the longest time were Pirates of the Caribbean, Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean. The other one was Twilight. Like, like these movies started a whole new genre of fan fiction where people were like, Self-inserts had always existed, but now it was like people were creating their own mythology around it. They were bringing in other things that had been touched on in the films that they never did. Like, I mean, this is kind of for the next episode, but like these movies thought that Jack Sparrow was the star of Pirates of the Caribbean, but actually Will and Elizabeth were the stars of Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest problems yeah. with Pirates of the Caribbean 4 and 5 is that like it's lost its essential characters. Like, there's no emotional core anymore. They were like, oh, well, it's a Jack Sparrow movie. We need pasty white people. Who can we get? And there's no connection to them. You haven't spent three movies watching these characters become adults and become people. Will's kind of a dick in the first film. Let's be real. No, he's not. He's a dick. He has his moments. He's just a boy that is learning. He is a man. Uh, He's a boy who is learning. He has the disease of... a man. ...is a man. Who eats pussy. And he does, and he does it well. Will Turner Eats Pussy is the name of this episode. I, that's it. That's what's. That's what I'm naming it. Here Sorry to my parents. Um, <laughs> I think it's really hard to make morally ambiguous characters the the like star. I mean, of course, we know we know all the stuff that we talked about in the first episode that like Johnny Depp brought in this really exciting idea, yeah. and like this kind of like made the movie what it was. But then I think then. When they were in development, they were like, oh, the people love Jack Sparrow. We need a hundred Jack Sparrows in the purgatory scene, which I thought the purgatory scene is very creepy and cool. I thought it was cool. I liked it. I I like it a lot. lot. But then it's like, okay, we don't need a hundred Jack Sparrows running around or like him to talk to himself all the time. Like that, that was, I felt like I could hear the executives being like, the people love Jack Sparrow. Give them more Jack Sparrow. Like, I could hear yeah. that in these scenes. The purgatory scene in three is so fascinating because, first of all, before you get to that scene, you get the first most outright 
ride reference in the most weird art housey way because they go they go over the edge of the world they're off the deep end uh barbosa says we're off the map now matey here there be monsters which was a tagline for the ride at one point the ride uh yeah. there's that and then it goes to complete i remember sitting in the theater and this happening it's screens completely black nothing's happening you're hearing the water rushing and then you hear Dead men tell no tell, tales. tales, and you hear you hear the the village scene in the ride. Mm-hmm. You hear the original audio, the music recorded by Exitensio. All these like voices that if you went to Disneyland as a kid, you grew up hearing these voices, and it's this like yeah. weird art housey, but also like Disney art housey moment. And I remember losing my mind. I was like. Ah, there it is. There's the that. Thing. This is when Disney was allowed to be a little art house, a little weird. Disney could be a weird. little weird. The thing that I love most about Pirates of the Caribbean three, which like clearly I love Pirates of the Caribbean three, <laughs> is that I think it really combines like being artsy with like it's just fundamentally a satisfying movie to oh, watch. Yeah. It feels like. Every time something happens, you're like, that was just such a meaty thing to put in yeah. there. There are so few moments where uh, that didn't, huh. like, it just feels like every time, like, something in the plot happens, I'm just like, yeah. They just, like, go around buttoning things up willy-nilly. It's all tied up nicely. Even, like, the Calypso thing, like, I think her being the only woman of color, like, kind of muddies this, and that makes me sad, because I think the idea of Calypso being allowed to return to the ocean is, like, such a great, like, moment for that character, and, like, a satisfying button for Calypso's arc is that, like, she doesn't have to be, like, a human. Like, she doesn't have to experience love in the way this man wants her to experience yeah. love. I And I'm, like, I want to say, like, I'm not undermining what you're saying about Calypso. Like, I absolutely agree with that. But I do, like, think that it is, like, a very satisfying ending for me for her and like with norrington the norrington ending you're like yeah it's not a happy ending but it's like a satisfying ending it makes sense for him he gets his hero moment the writing is very clear on like what would give these characters a satisfying end which sucks for for norrington and calypso that they both have great endings but some of the build-up before that ending doesn't serve the ending like calypso if calypso had been written with more agency and like getting if if they did have that brig scene and 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 in it she is telling him why she didn't come back which was like maybe like i didn't trust you i didn't trust that you would meet me i didn't i was done i thought i thought this was over like if she had gotten those moments then her being released i think would be more clear because that like that's something that you're saying that i was like yeah, she gets to be freed, but then I don't know what happens to her after. I don't see her smiling about being freed. Like, there's nothing yeah. that, like, I can read. No, and I was gonna say, they, like, sink so much energy into, like, expressing Calypso as, like, a mysterious figure that they don't give enough energy to her, like, being a character with wants. And so, yes. because her role, and I think, I think what I would have done, not to, not to give invalid <laughs> criticism. These movies are, like, 20 years old. It's okay. Yeah, right? I think it would have been sexy if, like, perhaps in the first movie, like, they had shown Calypso being, some being like, mysterious, but then perhaps some moments of her, like, not being totally sure of herself or, like, feeling 
not at home within the body of a human and then Mm. like having her and elizabeth have some moments of like feeling disenfranchised by the setting because like they are both disenfranchised by this context that they're in and like having them get to address that and like giving them a bond about like desiring freedom and not knowing what freedom means for them and then like in the end calypso's freedom is becoming the ocean and elizabeth's freedom is being a pirate like that i just think that that could have been really sexy if they'd done it yeah but they didn't and then and then obviously the thing that sucks for norrington is he says this really beautiful line is like our fates were always meant to be intertwined just not like in the way that i thought our our fates were always entwined but never meeting perfect end then he kisses her and then like fuck why'd you do that like you just undermine this beautiful sentiment you just gave right so it's it's just interesting that these side characters just kind of don't get the same love as like our as our thruple. <laughs> the iconic thruple. Okay, first of all the scene where they get married on the pirate ship. That's the that's <gasps> fucking amazing. <gasps> that's I so want to get well married. Done. Okay, we can talk about that during bitch time. I'm going to talk about the scene of Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> a scene that I have watched countless times on YouTube. I don't know why it like it rattled me. It changed me. It changed the way I thought about human beings and about like writing this and about acting like really genuinely like this movie like shaped the way that I currently view acting. But it's the scene where they've gathered all the pirate things together and they're about to free Calypso into becoming a the water again. And Barbosa's like, yeah, all you have to do is say, Calypso, I release you from your um your human <gasps> yeah. bond or something like that. And and he says, you have to say it as if you're saying it to a lover. And then he says, and then he says it, he like yells it in that gruff way. And nothing happens and everyone's like, fuck, I guess we like I guess every this whole movie has been for nothing and then Rigetti Rigetti is like no you're not saying it right you have to say it right and he in the most tender moment of that like like the kind of moment where you feel like you shouldn't be watching it because it's so tender like yeah the juiciest piece of acting I don't I think I've ever seen in my life. He like whispers to her <laughs> the same line and it like fucks everything up. When we watched it at the nunnery, we watched that scene. We we immediately fast forwarded it and watched it again. Yeah. I don't know what about this scene like feels so important to me, but it was just this incredible piece of acting that was so like, like, why did they put that in? Like, it doesn't, what the fuck? <laughs> but it was just this like Rigetti fucks. Like, Rigetti fucks. So you plagiarized that for me because I said it before this episode, before we started recording. <laughs> but, like, Rigetti fucks. You look at it and you're like, damn, like, not only does Will Turner eat pussy, but, like, but Rigetti, Rigetti eats the guy, the guy with the wooden eyeball also respects women. Five for disability. A five. <laughs> a five. A five. A five. And, and, but also, like, I think that there's, like, this is giving the movie too much credit, but I think there is something cool about the idea that, like, he carried around the token to free Calypso in his yeah. eye the entire, oh, like, the entire series. That's and my then, like, he line. was the only one. And he's the only could, one that like, can fuck, dude. Who could, like, release her. And, like, I don't even think Gore Verbinski knew what he was doing when they were. 
nobody knew. <laughs> it's like it goes in there like with my like land of scenes that like people didn't realize. Like nobody realized when they were watching it. Nobody realized it when they were like writing it or filming it. They didn't yeah. realize that the the impact that it would have. They didn't understand it because they weren't ready for it. And like back in like 2007, we weren't ready for that scene. But like in 2021, like my mission on earth is to raise awareness of our one minute 55 second 36 in Pirates of the Caribbean 3. I think it's important that societally we like acknowledge this. Like we go back and revisit this. We like, we really like, I think it's so healing to have Rigetti tenderly whisper. You know what? The only thing that I can compare it to? The moment in Midsommar where he's like, do you, Do you feel, feel held, held by him? Absolutely oh mind-boggling yes. tenderness. I'm so sorry. Ooh. That's why I couldn't put it in bitch time because that's how long I needed to talk about that. Oh my god. Okay, it's I'm so bitch sorry. time. It's bitch time. Five minutes on the clock. Ready? Go. Two and three have some of the best quotable lines, I think. Because I tend to spend a lot of time going, well, when the original Brethren Court got together, they were all, uh, two of one, skint broke. And I will quote that monologue where he complain- <laughs> where he explains why it's like five pieces of whatever the fuck they had. Uh, the nine pieces nice. of whatever we had in our pockets at the time. Oh yes, that sounds very piratey. The second and third film kind of parody the first one now, because they're like, yeah, no, pirates are fucking weird. The wedding scene. The wedding. The wedding That's scene. The, I only the marry me scene. on a pirate ship while we're sword fighting. This is Absolutely. the only way I want to get married ever. No one ever do anything less than if it's that. It's a pirate ship while we're fighting for our I lives. Don't I it. don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> and like famously, like I'm an anti-marriage bitch. Like this movie made me not an anti-marriage bitch. Like now I'm gonna get married to someone Same. just because of it. Like just because. What of was this. I gonna say? I think like something I'd like to bring back for this bitch time, like a relic of bitch white past, is like who's allowed to. Be naked. Okay. Who's allowed to be naked? Who's Elizabeth Swan. Will Elizabeth, obviously, obviously. done. Pintel and Rigetti for sure. Pintel and Rigetti. Pintel and Rigetti. Like, Rigetti Calypso. has like extra nudity rights, like maybe more nudity rights than the average person. <laughs> Zoe Saldana from movie one. Absolutely. Her character, obviously. She got done dirty. Bring her back. Okay. She got done so dirty. Does Jack Sparrow? get to be naked no he gets to be shirtless he does not get to be naked. perfect i yeah. i i feel good with shirtless mainly because the tattoos that they designed for him are so cool and i like looking at them yeah his tattoos i refuse cool. to acknowledge the possibility that johnny depp could have a penis <laughs> that's fair that's fair i will oh be God. i will not be taking questions at this time these movies are so horny this this movie these movies are so horny Kira Knightley making these beautiful faces with her mouth like her mouth just like, like does lips. something for me and I don't know her lips. lips but her like pining over Jack Sparrow and then Will being like hello I am right here like we could be in a throuple and it'd be fine but you need to just tell me you want to be in a throuple like just, just tell me that you want to be in a babe. just like allow just, that okay. for yourself the telescopes as dicks as dick comparison was killing yes. me. Like I Barbosa. <laughs> I think You're... Barbosa and Jack Sparrow just need to fuck. I think they need just to fuck. It out. I think they need to get it out, it out of their system. Bone it yeah. out, guys. Because they need to. Like they're they're ready. These movies absolutely could have been gayer, but they're pretty gay. 
Like <laughs> they are really gay. This honestly was the best way for me to end Pride Month. Yes. Something societally that I think is dangerous and like once again like I do feel a responsibility to raise awareness is that watching these movies while touch starved in Indiana is like actually like (laughs) not good for your health and like safety and well-being and so like that was a PSA. No okay the knee kissing scene. The knee kissing. The knee kissing scene. The knee kissing. Never over it. I'm never gonna know peace. I'm never gonna know peace. Next time someone asks me what my kink is, I'm going to be like, kiss my fucking knee. Kiss my knee. <laughs> kiss my knee, specifically my knee. specifically while trying to get your pirate boot back. This is my stop. kink. Stop. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Every time they said Flying Dutchman, I just could not stop thinking about Spongebob. And um, that is... <laughs> Oh, what a mood. Ridiculous. I I couldn't. Also, do you guys remember that like interactive club penguin-esque Pirates of the Caribbean game? Do you remember that like interactive? It was a video game. Sorry, Gaia. This is before your this is before your time. Before my time. (laughs) I'm too baby for this. Um, As like the resident child. Because I'm like in the middle. Sarah's a millennial. I am Guy a millennial. We don't, we don't publicize that because it's embarrassing, but you know. No, it is okay. All right. It's time for Bitch Why. Bitch, why did you keep making movies? <laughs> yeah, why did they keep making these movies? Why didn't you quit while you were ahead? There it is. Well, here's the... Pr- okay, here's the thing. So now we're on Bitch Why. Dead Man's Chest had a budget of $225 million and made $960 million at the box office. And then At World's End had a budget of $300 million and made a billion dollars at Me the too. box yes. office. It was like the they were the two fastest blockbusters. Like, they earned their money in the yeah. fastest Yeah, and time. up until Avengers Endgame, At World's End was the most expensive movie hmm. made. Up until Endgame, yeah. The third one had real ships. That's yeah. why they were. That's why they were so expensive. They built the Black Pearl that's over hot. an oil tanker. Well, uh, fuck! It looks so good. Like I think that all the action sequences in these movies look amazing. Them building the Black Pearl just goes to show that practicals are always better than CGI. Please bring back practicals. I want that tattooed on my body. Yeah. And, oh, and since we're in, like, Bitch Why, I think that, like, I really loved... I just love that everyone... Everyone's weapon is a sword. I just like swords. I miss... I love like, the I lack miss, of guns. Like, there are I guns sometimes. The of, there's guns sometimes. But they're always, like, holding them at each other, but they never really fire. I was gonna say that scene. I like the moment where they all are like, we're gonna kill each other, actually. And then they're like, no, we're not. Yeah. But we actually will. <laughs> And then they were laughing. They're like, ha ha, ah, bring it back. Like, it's anyway. so good. And then the gunpowder was too wet, so it doesn't wet even powder. matter anyway. Wet powder. They um, were literally all going to kill each other. Like, we <laughs> we brushed past that, but, like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. They, like, they pulled the trigger. The only they way they like, fully pulled the trigger. In terms of, like, other things with impact, I think, like world building is so good in these movies i mean they pull from a lot of like superstitions about like pirate lore and stuff i think that like we what Gaia said earlier about like bill Nye, what bill nighy that cgi holds up so well all of the it's cgi gorgeous. like anything that it all holds up amazing that's a great performance that's like andy circus level 
acting under CGI stuff. Have you seen the photos of him with the with the dots on his face? With the dots, yeah. Oh, it's and he's like he's acting. The voice that he does and the like the way like it's a, like just I think just as good as as Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow interpretation I think yeah. is Bill Nighy's Davy Jones and and I think that like. This is pre-Marvel. This is pre-cinematic universe creating. This so is just a like... A couple years before Iron Man. Yeah. And that's sad because, like, currently we're living in an imaginary timeline where they stopped making Pirates of the Caribbean movies. But, like, I think that forever the impact of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is going to be the success of franchise and, like, the thing that has destroyed my life ever since. Yeah, well, and then, but now you can see inklings of, like, this Marvel influence in the, in the last two, which we're going to talk about later, is, like, the action, yes, the action in these two is a little, like, is really goofy, you're like, okay, none of this is happening, like, everyone has plot armor, that's why no one's, like, dying, and people die, and they come back, but it just gets more and more, like, Marvel-y yeah. by the end. This was the tail end of mostly practical, mostly realistic effects because Stellan Skarsgård was the only Davy Jones crewman that was not computer generated. Everyone else had augmentations done. Wow. Also, his his nickname on set was Booyah Bays. They called him Booyah Bays on set because of the texture of his skin. It's cute. Hot take, but Marvel has never choreographed a good fight scene in their fucking lives. I was gonna say these movies have like are very good at the the choreography of the fight. It's really it's really hard to 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 shoot action scenes, and I think that these movies do it really really well. They do it. Also, so the beginning of Outworld's End with the gallows is so dark, <gasps> and it's like oh yeah, I well one I think we talked about like the art house thing. But also, like, I just can never imagine, like, a lot of the things that are happening in these movies, I can never imagine, like, a Marvel movie or show being able to get super dark like that. That doesn't feel like it at least has a little bit of distance, Yeah, you know? the, the closest we've gotten to something that dark recently, and I hate saying this because I don't want to give them an, uh, that much credit for it, but in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when he... Spoilers for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, by the way. When he kills the guy. Oh, yeah, that's fucked up. Actually, they, well, that one, because they have to get so gritty and real. Yeah, that like one that got really show. gritty, but there hasn't been, like, a high fantasy moment of death like that. Because that yeah. opening sequence is so dark. It also has, like, mild flavors of death camp. Maybe the reason I find this movie so satisfying is because, like... First of all, I feel like this is one of the last, like, franchises that cared about, like, making, like, a cohesive, like, set of movies that, like, felt satisfying. But also that, like, it felt like in a lot of ways this movie wasn't trying to please the audience. And maybe that's, like, why mm. I love the unsatisfying ending is because, like, it it is a juicy, good ending for the story. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously not an ending that the audience members are, like, going to inherently love. And so I feel like yeah. every, all these choices in these movies, like, like this movie felt like a risky movie that cared more about, like, making the thing than making the thing that would make Money. people love it. 
or like yeah make money but like make people enamored by it like i feel like movies right now like disney movies they want people to be enamored by them so badly and i think like that's kind of what's causing so many of our problems with these movies like the girl bossification of like disney villains because they want people to like be charmed by their movies this movie didn't care if you found it charming it cared about like crafting a story like i know it makes me pretentious to say that but i feel like like that's something that's been so lost in like the past like like decade and a half there's also like some scenes that are so gross right like when when jack sparrow's like imagining his himself like coming out of that wall and he's like got coral like he's scratching his brain brain. it's gross like this movie's gross it's dark it's gritty it's scary and i think that like and also like comic books are gross and dark and gritty and scary i i feel like that there is like onus to do that in in like marvel but they just are afraid to do it and also like they don't want to alienate half their audience it was really refreshing in that winter soldier falcon and winter soldier scene when he did that because i was like fuck that like and, and so now i guess maybe the thing will be like well now it's interesting to see them do that like with loki and wandavision it's interesting when like they actually go there but it's like you guys could have been going there the whole time it's interesting to see uh the marvel shows start to toy with like maybe loki's gay well no yeah. he's gay he's gay they said no it. he they said is the they said they it. said the yeah. thing but like they used like if they had done that like five or six years ago they would have been like ha ha it was one time and he was drunk like it would have been very coy and very like goofy. Yeah. and then the, now they're getting to a point where they can talk about dark things disney also likes to pat themselves on the back for doing it because they definitely like they really played up the fact that you can meet Sam as Captain America at Disney now. Oh my god. So I feel they like did. Disney, they did. Disney's moving in a direction yeah. of like, we're gonna do this, but they're also gonna be like, look at us. We're so Yeah, brave. and it's like these yeah. movies didn't have the f- they didn't have to do that. They didn't do that. Like the, with pirates, they didn't feel the need to be like, look, she's Pirate King now, and you can go yeah. meet her at Disneyland, and she's in front of the Pirates ride, and exactly. like that. And I feel like these movies couldn't exist now. I wonder if part of that's because it was based off of a ride, and like it was kind of like the hypest thing that they could have done. They had already done because mm. like it was based yeah. off of a ride, and like because of that, they didn't have to like. I mean, I don't think that's like. I think there are a lot more factors. Yeah. Um. But, like, I don't know. That's kind of, like, an interesting facet of this. I definitely think that contributes to it, because they tried to make the Haunted Mansion movie a thing, and that failed really hard. Yeah. Oh, and then the Country Bears. It could have been good, too, but they failed. They failed. That's an episode in and of itself, though. But I think that, like, I don't know, like, the the last movie was, like, three hours, and I was never sick of the action at the end. It violates our hour-and-a-half movie law. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with the third one is <laughs> that there's so much that happened. Like, I cried the first time flying out to Florida. I cried watching Pirates too. I sobbed through like the last hour of the third one. Because like within that time frame, we find out that Elizabeth's father was murdered at sea. Yeah, um, that was we, sad. That was so heartbreaking. We think that Will dies, essentially. We watch um Davy Jones be reclaimed by like so much happens in such a short span of time that like 
by the end of the film, I was like, I need a fucking cigarette and a large bottle of wine. Like so much, like it's, it's almost emotionally <laughs> exhausting. It feels like yeah. exactly. Do you ever see the Ferryman, Nita or Sarah? I don't know. If <gasps> yes, you, I am not. It reminds me of the Ferryman, which is like you spend a whole play, like like things happening, 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 and then the last five seconds of the Ferryman, a bazillion things happen, and you walk out of the theater and you're like, "Am I alive right now?" Like I saw a matinee of that, and that was fucked up. But, like, that's what Pirates 3 kind of does to you, because it's it's wrapping yeah. up so many things so fast, but it does it in a really satisfying way. I was telling you before we recorded, like, oh, I'm really sad about that ending, but it is perfect. Like, it's perfect for what these movies are, and it's perfect for, like, they both get what they, like, kind of want. Like, Will gets to hang out with his fucking dad, and he gets to be, he gets to embrace his, like, pirate side, and Elizabeth gets to go be a pirate king and Peg, everyone. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to do the bitch meter really quickly. Gaia, what did we give it for queer? Oh, my God. We didn't do queer. I feel like we have to just give it an N.A. Yeah, like an N.A. Yeah. yeah. There's no queerness in this movie. Besides the inherent homoeroticism of pirates. For race, we gave it a three. We talked about Calypso and, like, the littering in the back, like, just putting people of color in the background, but they're, like, there are people of color in the, like, main cast, so it's a three. That's what we've given it. Gaia, what did we give it for gender? We gave it a four because there's not a lot of ladies, but all the ladies are, like, fleshed out and well understood. For disability, we gave it an N.A. Plus one. An N.A. plus one. analysis about Rigetti's eye. About Rigetti's eye. For body positivity, we gave it a classic N.A. minus one. Like, you know that every every moment of every day is an opportunity to cast a fat person in a role that Disney chooses never to do. And then for class, we gave it a four because of the inherent class critique of pirates. Perfect. And that gives us a final score of drumroll, please. Seven out of ten. Nice. Sarah, what are you working on? I'm currently working on, aside from this, I'm about to start working on a couple different Halloween projects. And yeah, just follow my Instagram. It's always a good time. I'm also pitching a show, uh, a burlesque show. So hopefully that'll be That's happening so this exciting. summer. Nita, what are you working on? I am almost done with this acting for film conservatory and I'm very tired and then I'm going to go home for two weeks and finish my podcasting fellowship. Yeah, look out for the project that's coming out with that. I'll probably talk more about it later. Gaia, what are you working on? I'm dipping my hands back into some old writing and rewriting and um, I do be writing. I, I do be you writing. Do be I do writing. be writing though. All right, fellas, you can follow me on Instagram at Gaia Rose River or Gaia River Rose, depending on what you want from me. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nita underscore Thilani, T-H-A-D-A-N-I. You can follow the BitchY podcast on Instagram or Twitter at BitchY podcast, or you can email us at b.tchwhy at gmail.com. <laughs> For all my socials, follow me on Instagram. It's um, official Sarah Louise all one word same on twitter but i will warn you my twitter is much more feral 
though. Please leave us a review and rate us on iTunes and tell a friend about the podcast. All of the resources referenced will be in the show notes. Um, thank you so much to our co-producer, editor, and capital G Gay God, Cameron, and our graphic designer, Jillian. Light some incense on your Cameron shrines tonight. Yes. yes. Please. All right. Bye, bitches. Bye, bitches. Good night.